Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barbecue Nation. Uh, that's the real Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Hall of Famer Leanne Whippen and all the guys in the background here. And we would like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. Uh, They are coming out with a special program, which we will talk about more in the very near weeks to come. We're going to give you a secret decoder ring password that you can get some spits and specials from Painted Hills Natural Beef. Anyway, today, uh, my friend Chris Sussman, the Barbecue Buddha, has kindly uh, agreed to join us from his swimming pool in Florida. He's not in the pool. He's by the pool. And uh, Chris has been on the show before, and uh, he's... uh, telling us his story about how he got into barbecue. And then we're going to talk about his new book coming out, uh, his second one for the big green egg. So Chris, welcome. Thank you for having me back on. Great to be on again. Well, it it sounds like you were just here, you know, just about five minutes ago. About five minutes ago. I I can't believe it. Deja Vu is the, the name of the show now. Yes. Yeah, or what did uh, George Carlin say? It was Vuja Day, someplace you've been and never wanted to go back to. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's going on with uh, with Chris Sussman these days? Uh, well, since the last time we spoke, I relocated during uh, the global pandemic, found a sunny uh, Gulf Coast of Florida, right south of Leanne. I'm in a little town called Gulfport uh, near St. Petersburg, Florida, from Louisville, Kentucky. And I've been spending the the last year or so down here writing the book, which I know we're going to get into in a little bit, and getting myself uh, relocalized to the the Gulf Coast of Florida to start operating in some barbecue business fashion. Well, I notice you're not sitting there in a snowsuit like some people around the East Coast. So, <laughs> how big ba- how big of a change is it for you to be somewhere where it's warm? This is how big of a change it is. I have actually turned into one of those people that when the weather is 70 degrees, I've got a sweater on, long pants, I'm layered up. It's it's really turned into that. I wish I was lying, but it's not. I am the biggest wimp now when it dips down below 75 degrees. That's how that's how warm it is down here. You know, I lived in Los Angeles a long time ago for a couple, three years, and Quick story. I came home on a break and uh, I'd been working in Arizona, too. So I was very acclimated to warm weather. Right. I come back to Oregon. This is summertime. It's 85 degrees here. And I'm freezing. I, I am just deathly cold. I'm sitting in front of a heater in my mother's house with a blanket around me. And she, she thought I was nuts. But 
I had been where it, you know, it was over a hundred every day. And you never thought about putting long sleeve shirts on or anything like that, you know? So anyway, I, I can relate to that, you know, Miss Leanne though, she's, she's pretty, pretty gamey on this stuff. You know, she's a, she's an all weather girl out there. She's barbecued. I I have a tough time though. I mean, it gets super hot yesterday. Uh, though I wasn't complaining, I was cooking ribs and, you know, I was just looking around saying, this is so nice, but ask me another month or two. Uh, no, it's, it's almost, it's too hot to cook. Well, not really. (laughs) So give us a little bit of your history. Um, last time we talked to you, you were living in Louisville and it's Louisville people, not Louisville. And, um, you had come from there originally you came i think from the washington dc area not known for its uh being a garden spot for barbecue and then you made the transition over the years down to florida so give us a little uh history on your immersion into the barbecue world and how how you picked up that gauntlet so for me the love began my father uh was a restaurant tour in the Washington DC area when I was growing up. He owned several state houses in and around uh, Northern Virginia and uh, Washington DC. Uh, so I had a love of the food service industry and food in general. Uh, but one of his biggest things, his parents lived in Norfolk, Virginia, which was three hours south of Washington DC. And when we would go down there, we'd stop at this place called Pierce's Pit Barbecue in Williamsburg, Virginia. And uh, we would go specifically for a pulled pork sandwich, North Carolina style with a coleslaw and an ice cold Dr. Pepper. And my dad loved that so much. We would hit it on the way in and then on the way back. And then we would always go home and try to recreate the barbecue sauce, which I just think was a way for us to to geek out in the kitchen and and put, you know, ketchup, the different stuff in it together to try to to, to please one another. Did you ever get uh, close? So that's, uh, you know, I, I, at the time, it was always one of those things where, no, you never got close. But now that I'm an adult and I have children, I realize it was just a cool father-son thing that my dad would do with me to try to, like, you know, connect that experience with me, which is great. Uh, but that really is when my awareness and love of barbecue and smoked meats began. My actual uh, becoming a practitioner of it was in uh, uh, the mid-2000s. Uh, I started cooking uh, on the weekends, uh, you know, to escape the drudgery of uh, corporate life. Uh, and I started cooking on Weber's and then I eventually migrated to a big green egg. And once I connected into the big green egg world in Northern Virginia, I was introduced to a gentleman named Chris Capel, who owns Dizzy Pig Seasonings and Barbecue Store in Manassas, Virginia. And he was a very, still is a very kind mentor and took me under his wing. And I, and I got to travel around with him to several of the barbecue competitions that he competed in at the time and, uh, and really learned from one of the best in the business and meet a tremendous amount of people. He, he really is. Um, Chris and I go way back. I even had invited him to the original Barbecue Pitmaster show. He's on one of the episodes. I had him come out. Uh, to do one of the contests because they were doing Memphis in May and KCBS and it was just hard for me to manage. So uh, he was kind enough to help me out. But um, he really is an excellent um, cooker. It's um, I miss being on the circuit with him, actually. And he makes awesome rubs. So, yeah, you learn yeah. From the best. 
he he's really good and and his just whole approach to the art of barbecue and in particularly cooking on Kamado style cookers like the big green egg is uh is interesting he doesn't he's not a by the book guy so i love getting into his head and really watching how he practices the art i've learned a lot how big of an eye opener was it when you first connected with him and like for example the first day you were working with him whether it was at home or at a competition did you go wow i didn't know that yeah i mean for me it really i'm not a competition barbecue person i like to go to barbecue competitions i like to to meet all of the competitors and i'm going to memphis may a couple of months to work with big green egg for that one um but for me the the art of barbecue competition that's what i really learned a lot all of the things the competitors need to do to engineer the perfect bite of barbecue. And when you really put yourself in the shoes of A, the competitors, and B, the judges, you understand you have to do that. But it was a real eye-opening experience for me because it's never been the way that I cooked or have eaten barbecue in a backyard. Um, so that was my first really big aha moment uh, with working with Chris. The other one, which is something that uh, – uh, you don't see talked about often is his use of uh, fuel source, like, you know, big green egg, everybody always loads it up with all the love and they get it burned. He is a practitioner of less is more. So he'd always would light small, you know, uh, piles of lump at the bottom of the big green egg and really manages fire um, in a very different way than I've seen anybody else do before and, and really get a lot out of it. Sometimes not even indirect cooking. He would cook to raise direct or it would be such an ambient low temperature source. You'd get sort of like the barrel cookers you have now where the meat's cooking up top and dripping on the coals below. So you get both low and slow and sort of that direct flame cook. He's really good at that. And I learned a lot watching him do that. I think that's the toughest thing for people. I, I do managing their their fire, um, yeah. You know, especially if they grew up and maybe dad had a gas grill on the back or even a, a Weber kettle. But when you get into Kamado and some of these other ones, I just think that's for the weekend warrior. I think that's the, one of the toughest things for him to get a handle on is managing that heat. I agree. And I always say in the classes that I teach and, and online and such, I always say you need to manage the fire. Otherwise, the fire is going to be managing you. And it's uh, people always think you go out and you start a live fire and then 20 minutes later you're cooking. Right. It's like the old Weber's that you would light with the charcoal and the gas or you go push a button and get the gas going. I will start, you know, anywhere two hours before I have to cook. So the fire is just ready and it's an environment and the temperature is ready. And I know that I'm cooking. I'm not worrying about the environment. And once you get there, then lots of magic happens. But if you're chasing both the cook and the managing the fire environment, you're distracted and neither one are going to get your best effort. Well, I also think that when you're first learning, that leads to some very cumbersome situations. You know, you've got to. You've got whatever you're cooking on there. And depending on what the cooker is, if you haven't managed it properly, all of a sudden the heat's going away or it's too hot, which is mostly the case, I think, but it's going away. And then you maybe have to add more fuel, but you got to move this, this and that and blah, blah, blah. We all know that, but I just think that's what adds to the difficulty for, if you will, civilians at home. <laughs> Yeah, because they haven't been through the reps, you know. I mean, I do this so often 
either directly for Big Green Egg or just by myself here that, uh, and I imagine Leanne and all the people in the circuits have just seen so many more iterations. You've got to go through all those mess ups and those crazy situations where things get out of control in order to right the ship, if you will, so it becomes second nature. Uh, we're going to take yeah. a break here on Barbecue Nation and USA Radio Networks. We're going to be back with Miss Leanne and Chris Sussman, the Barbecue Buddha, right after this. Stay with us. everybody it's jt and this is a special version of barbecue nation it is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Hall of Famer Leanne Whippen. If you want to email us, uh, just write me a personal note, and I'll give you Leanne's address and phone number. No, um, you can go to barbecuenationjt.com, and there's a drop-down thing on the bottom, and you can fill it out and send us a note. We're also on Facebook. We have several Facebook pages between the personal ones and the show ones like that, and also Twitter. Uh, I'm actually CalCook57. Someday I'll tell you the story behind that. But Leanne is Leanne on Twitter. There you go. And Leanne is very good about liking things for people. I do. Yeah. You always give them a thumbs up. Anyway, we're talking with our buddy Chris Sussman, the Barbecue Buddha. How did you come up with the Barbecue Buddha, Chris? So, I, you know, I'm one of these guys that likes to overthink everything. And uh, my uh, one of my majors in college was philosophy. And I really, at that time, got into Eastern philosophy. And uh, Buddhism is something that's always appealed to me. Anyway, to make a long story bearable, in a late night conversation with my wife, she was like, you know, well, why don't you do more with the Buddhism thing? You seem to like it so much. I said, you know, I really love it. I'd love to learn more and love to practice it more. But there's a non-starter. And she's like, what's that? She goes, well, they don't eat meat. They're vegetarians. <laughs> and I like to barbecue so much. And she's uh-huh. like, hey, you know, just do your own thing. Just be both. And and that's where the name the Barbecue Buddha sort of was born. You know, when you studied the east side of stuff, the only east side stuff I studied in college because the liquor store was on the east side of town. So that, <laughs> that's where that's where my Eastern philosophies came from. Yeah, so that's, let's that's some the best kind. Yeah. Let's talk about your book. This is your second book coming up and uh, it's going to be coming out uh, in April towards the latter part of April. Uh, yeah. Besides the huge monetary gain you get from writing cookbooks, the what what was the impetus for it? Well, first of all, you better tell them what the title is so they can look for it. But then also, uh, what prompted you to do it? Uh, the brand new book with Page Street Publishing is entitled The Ultimate Big Green Egg Cookbook, The Bark Buddha. Um, and what really prompted me to do it is I wrote a book for them two and a half years ago called The Four Fundamentals of Smoking, and that title sold really well. It did really well for them. They called me a year later and said, hey, do you have another book in you? We like working with you. We'd really like to uh, to do another one with you. So I pitched them some ideas, and this one stuck. So, yeah. Um, and I work, I'm on the Big Green Egg Pro staff. I travel around with them. I'm going to be in San Antonio for a big Ace Hardware convention here in a couple of weeks. I do things like that for Big Green Egg all year long. 
so there's a plane headed overhead. The the problem with recording outside. That's all right. Um, I got a guy at the door too, ringing the doorbell, but I, he can wait. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it only made sense to me to appeal to the the better part of my audience, which is all the eggheads, as we were talking about offline, um, all the people in the Big Green Egg community that know me and know my work. I wanted to write a book specific to them. But, you know, as you know, Big Green Egg is uh, ubiquitous with all the other Kamado grills out there. Right. So if, if I teach you how to do X, Y, Z on a Big Green Egg, you can translate to the Kamado Joe, the Primo, et cetera. You were talking about your engineering prowess and stuff uh, on the part we did not record. Um, <laughs> but what, and, and I'm tr not trying to turn this into an infomercial for Big Green Egg, but after you used one the first time and you and you talked about with your background, what was the difference that prompted you to go become an egghead? Uh, the, the biggest thing for me, so I took your typical path of a backyard barbecuer cooking on a gas grill. I read Stephen Reichlin's Barbecue USA. That really got me the bug. I wanted to re dive in and smoke and learn how to work with live fires. So the first uh, smoker I got was a Weber Smoky Mountain, the kind of kettle or the drum smoker style. And uh, I loved it. And I did a lot of cooking on there. But when I when I got to the winter, it would usually stop or the rain or in some of the inclement weather, I'd have a hard time. I had to jerry rig it or move it around a little more than I needed to. So I started to come up with a list like, you know, your dad or your mom teaches you as a kid growing up when you have to make a decision, make a list of the pros and cons. And I did that with the smoker. And then I started doing research on what are the smokers or the grills on the market that would match up to the best uh you know have better pros and and less amount of cons and at that point in time it was the big green egg and i've been a happy camper ever since <laughs> <laughs> i know that i have a nephew that's an egghead and you know i've tried to talk to him about you know the kong from gorilla grills or whatever and or you know oklahoma joe's something like that he's oh no i'll never i'll never give up my big green egg so they they've definitely got some brand loyalty there it's it's an interesting thing big green egg as a company is a business to business business they sell to their wholesaler network of which in turn uh, sells it through to their end constituents so big green egg from a customer brand and loyalty perspective really came from all the local dealers and local egg fest and this local community. So this grassroots community that really grew up and around the big green egg has uh, just made everybody this, uh, this, this offline online community that all supports one another, um, which is second to none. I mean, you're seeing a lot of that now with Traeger and the social media and all of the, the stuff that they do with all of their people. But this organic society that was all built around cooking, I've never seen anything like it. It makes me really happy to be a part of it. I bet it's exciting. Um, yeah. We don't get very exciting up where I live. We're kind of more <laughs> fl flat line most of the time. <laughs> so let's jump back to your book. Um, how long did it take you to write it? We got to get the basics out of the way, Chris. So uh so it took me the better part of what is this year? Try so it was try after the it's COVID, I lost track. It's still like 2019 in my head. Yeah. So uh, it was the better part of 2021. Uh, I think we we nailed the deal at the end of 2020, and I started at the very beginning of 2021, and and was done by August of of, of 2020 uh, of 2022. 
that's a yeah. that's a long was that are the recipes in it because we you told us uh before that you have what about a hundred recipes in there or something Do, were, were all those just indigenous to the big green egg or were there things you had worked on before so a lot of this was trying to reimagine things that I've done in other environments or sauces that worked with the dish like this that I think may have paired well with that. And how do you map that to the big green egg? We'll be back with Chris Sussman, the barbecue Buddha, Miss Leanne, Hall of Famer, and whatever I am, we'll be back in just a minute. Mm -hmm. Don't go away. Hey everybody, it's JT from Barbecue Nation and my friends down at Smoky Bones have come up with a great summer special for you. For a limited time, get the Rib Feast for only $19.99. Now Rib Feast comes with a house rack, two sides, garlic bread and a drink and that's when you actually eat at the restaurant. Smoky Bones, the masters of meat, well they have about 63 locations from Illinois all the way down to Florida and they bring you fire grilled favorites and barbecue platters every day for lunch and dinner and it's great stuff. So find a Smoky Bones near you and enjoy their summer rib feast special, only $19.99. That's Smoky Bones, the masters of meat. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on USA Radio Networks. You can find us on all the social media platforms, too. The way it works with us is the show airs on the network, and then we release the podcast versions same weekend uh, that we do that. Anyway, we would like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and, drum roll please, Pig Powder. Uh That's right. You're looking at Trim Tab's daughter right there. And if you order it, mm-hmm. you can be looking and sampling at Trim Tab's. That's Leanne's father, by the way. His mm-hmm. pig powder. It was uh, won the coveted best rub on the planet award used by winning pit masters for over 30 years and is now available online at pigpowder.com. Miss Leanne will probably even write you a note if you spend some money there. I just sent somebody a signed picture in their pig powder envelope. Did you really? I did. I don't have one. Oh, well, it's kind of an old pitmaster picture, but anyway, I'm like holding an axe and a piece of wood and looking very mean. I'm not any mean person, but I don't really like the photo, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, let's let's go back. And by the way, again, that's pigpowder.com. Um, great stuff. Let's talk with Chris Sussman some more. You know, you were talking in the last segment about recipe development and all that, Chris. It's it's difficult leanne does a lot of tv i do a lot of tv um to come up with something creative and or entertaining is after you've done it a few hundred times it's kind of like god now what am i going to do so then you, my process is i just look at things and go i wonder why i couldn't do this and this and this with that you know and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't i wanted to find out your process of of that development when you um, have an idea, but you're not sure and how you make that work. And I've said this on the show before, George Carlin always said, if you nail two things together that have never been nailed together before, somebody will buy it. And that's kind of been my mantra as far as recipes over the years. So I want to hear your story on that. 
Well, I think, you know, what I like, I've been cooking so much, you kind of see a common denominator through all recipes. Everything has fat, everything has acid, everything has a heat source. Um, and it's really that book uh, by Samran Nosat, I think it's how you pronounce her last name, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, is a great book that I like to really think about food. And when, when you think about food in that way, and then you think about the flavor wheel around the world, you know, you've got your your holy trinity that's this of French cuisine, and then you map that to Chinese cuisine or Asian cuisine, uh, then you could start playing with components. So instead of onion in one thing, you might use green onion, or for an acid, you might use rice wine vinegar or lime instead of apple cider vinegar. And so when you start to play with flavors, thinking about it as a palate like that, and you have an idea, then that's where I really like to build on the ideas from that, from the inside out. So a lot of people will say, I want to make a dish that's like this and then work their way to the inside. I always like, I want to go for flavors like this and I work my way inside out and then I'll pair that with the protein. Um, and that's kind of my inspiration process in that way. How do you do it, Leanne? The opposite, actually. <laughs> that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no. That's why she's in the Hall of Fame. And yeah. I'm not going to second no, book here, I mean... So. <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying and it's it's fantastic, but my mind works from selecting the protein or whatever I'm going to cook and I work outward from that because that's what's inspiring me. Like say I want to cook a, a filet, all right? Then I start thinking about, do I want to bring in some Asian flavors or whatever? And then I get into that nitty gritty of maybe some substitution or swap outs or additions of flavors. But um, I'm always inspired by, um, you know, proteins, vegetables or whatever. And what can I do with it to make it really cool or innovative? So it's really working the same. It's just in a different order. Yeah. Right. I think the end result gets pretty much to the same finish line. We hope so. <laughs> yes, yes, we hope so a lot there. But I think that's, uh, I think if anybody's mind goes like Chris just described or the way you did, Leanne, I, you know, that tells me that you're very much into the process, your own process, whatever that is, and that you're going to work through it other than just, well, let's just, throw some stuff against the wall and see if it sticks kind of Aww. thought process like that. I think that's very important, especially if you're, you know, if you're just going out and cooking burgers and dogs and occasional steaks or thighs or something for your family, that's fine. That's great. But if you're really going to try to mesh in different flavors, like Chris said, maybe it's a little more acid or, or, Maybe it's a little more sugars or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a, a good creative process. Either way you do it. That's my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Anybody can jump in there. It's I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask you. What do you do? Uh, yeah. You uh, yeah. Like for example, you did a TV show this week, and they probably said, "Hey, we want to do something something like this, or have chicken, or whatever." And then what gets you going? I mean, what sparks what you're going to actually do on the show? Are you thinking about the overall presentation for TV? Because that's important. Or is it the whole ball of wax? I tend to. Presentation is very important on my list of my checklist, if you will. Mm -hmm. 
simplicity is also uh, very important because, as you know, and I'm sure Chris knows, if you do TV, you've only got four to six minutes in a That's segment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like yesterday, we we did four different recipes in six minutes, but they were very simple. If you start getting down to, well, you got an eighth of a teaspoon of cumin and you've got a, a, a half a teaspoon of oregano and you start breaking it, that's mm-hmm. you burn up all your time doing that. And a lot of that stuff, the flavor profiles kind of come out the same. So I look at it and say, if I was going to make something for a dinner party that people are coming to our house and I'm going to do that. And then I tend to look at it that way. And, uh, and I just kind of say, and I think I'll use pork. I I never know for sure until a couple of days before what I'm going to do, but I've been thinking about it and toying with it and playing with it for several days before I actually create the recipe to go and do the show mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. that. So I think presentation and simplicity and um, just something that also in these times that people don't have to spend an arm and a leg when they go to the store, that mm-hmm. was always, and I'm, I'll shut up in a second, but you know, that was always one of my big beefs is you see some of the, the, you know, classically trained chefs on TV and they make these wonderful looking dishes and their presentation is letter perfect. Of course, they've got a food stylist that comes in and the commercial break and helps them, you know, with the hero shot, but you really can't do that. I mean, they look at what I cooked yesterday and that whole, serving on the plate probably cost eight dollars okay and you see some of the classically trained chefs and that on what they're serving is 35 dollars because you've got to get all the ingredients and stuff so i try to keep that in mind too when i'm mm-hmm. creating stuff uh chris and your recipes in your new book that's coming out in april you say we're looking forward to it um are you trying to appeal to just eggheads, um, a piece and whatever, or are you the general public? And like Jeff said, I think that people are looking for simplicity. So are your recipes in the book designed about um, including a lesser amount of ingredients or do you have all different, you know, or are they all over the board or, you know, just describe kind of the recipes a little bit? So with a hundred recipes, they're kind of all over the board because it, it it was hard to really come up with sort of a theme to go on a hundred separate recipes. The mm-hmm. bulk of the recipes in the book are in chapter, the very first uh, chapter of the book about smoking, because most of the people that will buy uh, a big green egg really look to get into smoking and the barbecue aspect of it. So mm-hmm. with that, it's really the seasoning and it's time and the smoke. So, you know, brisket, salt, pepper, garlic, whatever I may use, my special sauce and the rub, things uh-huh. like that. As the book progresses, there's a chapter on appetizers. You know, I try to keep it simple and simple ingredients uh, for people in mind, vegetables, the same sort of thing. I think the only recipe chapter that it gets complicated, Big Green Egg in the last few years has come out with a bunch of add-ons to the big green egg i know there's been an aftermarket for third parties that have done that but big green egg itself has done that with the expander and the walk and all of that so there's one chapter that i call can you really do that 
with an egg, I think is the name of the chapter. And I talk about using, I create recipes for all the different add-ons in there. So there's some stir fries. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, Chris, when you look at things, whether it's online or in a book or something, do you ever think that the lack of practicality in some of the things that people are putting out there, um, sometimes I think they try a little too hard. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I agree. And it's part of the challenge of what I do on the social media influencing aspect of my job and my life is with the advent of TikTok, uh, you know, with TikTok now and now all of the other uh, social media companies are following suit. It's really every video stands on alone. And unless you're hooking the person in the first three seconds, your video is not being shown to anybody. So teaching somebody how to do something or or being an expert in a certain area doesn't stack up against people that are throwing cheese in the middle of a walk or squirting, you know, a sauce all over, you know, it's the, how do you capture somebody's attention? We're going to take another break. We're going to come up, uh, come back, wrap up the show with Chris Sussman, the barbecue Buddha. Chris um, has not volunteered, but he is going to stick around for after hours. So uh, we're going to torture him there, but, uh, Don't change the channel. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on USA Radio Networks. Uh, I'm JT along with Hall of Famer Ms. Leanne Whippen. We've got Chris. Excuse me, but my blood pressure is going really sky high right now. <laughs> he got me going on the social media thing. Okay. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to follow up on that. I was going to follow up. Oh, my up. gosh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like when he said he had to stack a whole bunch of cheese slices. I, I, I just, you know what? You're right. You have to do all these crazy things to get your numbers if that's your goal. But, um, you know, I, you got to stay true to yourself. And if people are going to like you, you know, for what you're really doing and cooking, I know it's, it's not going to pay the bills, but it just hurts me so that people have to pretend and do things crazy just to get those numbers. Nothing. I'm not saying this against you. I'm just saying social media in in general, it just makes my blood boil. It's it's the chain. And and I, I got this new book deal right as the whole landscape of social media was changing. So, you know, somebody in my shoes is, this is like what I'm primarily doing now, working for companies like Big Green Egg, helping them do recipe and development and not being able to learn the way the new kids are doing things. That was a really challenge. And they want to see it. And they want to see it. And they want to see it. And so so that's part of my challenge going into 2023, uh, along with localizing But you have a daughter that can help you with that. (laughs) <laughs> she, she's yeah she's uh yeah she has her own challenges in that area so yeah. we're, we're all we're all learning the new new and i'm resisting i'm resisting all of the crazy stuff so we'll okay. see okay it's hard it's hard my my philosophy on that and leanne knows and i know i drive her crazy sometimes but <clears throat> i'm kind of like the tortoise in the hair i've been doing this stuff a long time and i know that i if you know, the tortoise eventually wins the race and then gets turned into turtle soup. 
But, you know, <laughs> if you just keep going uh, and and consistently put out good products, because I think in studying media over the years, it's very cyclical. And, you know, like when Emerald was doing his TV show, everything was bam, bam. And that really got the audience going. Mm-hmm. Well, Emerald's no longer on the Food Network. I don't know why, but. I thought no, you're a hundred percent right. It's consistency without a doubt. That is one of the, probably the top three things, you know, in uh, yeah. social media is being consistent and, um, you know, just building the brand, but, and just constantly posting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's the tough part because it's like, Oh, look, here's a piece of cheese. I'll post that, you know? And it's sometimes I can't figure out the relevancy of some of the posts of some of the people I follow just uh, that end up on my, you know, timeline stream. Time consuming with barbecue. Yesterday yeah. I did a video that is going to be a one minute Instagram. Okay. And it was seven hours. Okay. Including setup, tear down, cooking it, shooting the video from all different angles, seven hours for yeah. a one minute video. And if people that, are doing this every week, uh, more power to them. I, I just don't have the time for that. I mean, maybe yeah. I do. And you're but... talking like in my, <laughs> you have to do it every day. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I have to, like, I'm dropping off of this. I have two recipes. I've started working with local cookers and I have two mm-hmm. recipes. I've got to cook for them that need to come out in the next week. I've got to do that today. I've got to do all the filming. Then tomorrow you got to do all that. And it's like every day. And it's people relentless. in your life that don't know anything about this go, oh, you know, that's easy. I'm like, to do I a one a minute cool. video. I got a question day. for you now. You just opened Pandora's box. So you're going to do two recipes for loco cookers. How does that affect your relationship with Big Green Egg? So Big Green Egg, you can't do anything directly competitive with their brand. And local cookers, I'm only working with a griddle. So Big Green Egg doesn't have a griddle. Ergo, I could work with a griddle cooker top. Uh-huh. Now, they've local local cookers has since started coming out with smart temp kettle grills and all this other stuff. I can't work with any of that because uh-huh. it's in direct competition with Big Green Egg. But a griddle, you know, uh, most People in the barbecue community have a griddle and a live fire cooker, and that's kind of how they go hand in hand. Oh, that that works. That works. I know back to what you were saying, Leanne, and you know this as well as I do. If you're going to do a TV shoot, and like we said earlier, TV shoot, depending on what show you're on and all that, is anywhere from four and a half to five minutes to six minutes. Okay. And that's a segment. And then they go out, they go to something else. It takes me all day the day before uh-huh, to uh-huh, prep to get uh-huh. get them the you know the products that i need or whatever and then prep the kitchen or prep the outdoor patio where we're shooting whatever it is and to get all that ready and then we go live boom and in six minutes they say goodbye they move on to something else and you're stuck there with a hell of a mess uh, yeah and then you got to go home and wash it all you got to go home and wash <laughs> it all so you know. <laughs> A lot of glamour in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's, yeah. So, Chris. Nobody sees that stuff. No, nobody sees that stuff. Chris, w- w- when you were doing this new book, what if there was one thing that that either you really wanted to get your message across with it or one thing that you discovered while you were putting the book together that you went, ah, I didn't know that. 
And maybe you probably already knew it, but maybe it just didn't come with that light bulb effect in your noggin, you know? There... Uh, it's it's a funny story about the uh about the editing process. So after the worst part about writing a book is you develop you turn in the manuscript. You sit there for two or three weeks, and then the editor comes back with all the edits, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm terrible, all these red lines, I didn't convey this, I didn't do that. During the editing process, I had used a lot of, you know, herbs in my ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. And so I got asked, and it's 100 recipes, I got asked at least 100 times, is that coarsely chopped? Is that finely chopped? Yeah. <laughs> How do you want that chopped? And so the biggest thing I learned from this time around is to be very pedantic about the way you chop your herbs and write about it in your recipes because I had to, funny. to go back and retrofit all of that stuff, which became very tedious after about recipe 22. Oh, I, I would bet. imagine. I would imagine. That, that's... All right. Well, Chris Usman, like I said, folks, he's going to stick around for after hours. But Chris, how can folks find you? Not process servers, but anybody else. And uh, <laughs> and uh, where can they find information? And uh, tell us one more time when the book's coming out and will be available to people. Uh, the book's coming out April 25th from Page Street publishing uh, pre-orders available now Amazon and every major site if you want an autographed copy of the book after the 25th it'll be available on my website which is the barbecuebuddha.com t-h-e-b-b-q-b-u-d-d-h-a.com and you can find me on all the social media platforms at the barbecue buddha facebook tiktok twitter instagram all that fun stuff youtube that's excellent. how you can find me excellent well, we thank Chris for joining us today, even though he's sitting by the swimming pool yes, in, in his shorts. My new neighbor, yeah. my new neighbor. Yep, yep. We'll have to get together and do some cooking, Leanne. I would love that. Would love they that. They will. Not in July and August, please. No. <laughs> not, not unless it's four in the morning. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We want to thank you for listening to the show this week. Remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it. Go out there and have some fun. We'll see you next week. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.